Today we are in part eight of our summer series called The Holy Who, and uh, we're wrapping it up, everybody, putting a bow on it today, putting a cherry on top. It is, uh, it's coming to an end, and I am so excited with today's message because today we are tackling the topic of why do I need the Holy Spirit? We've looked at everything over these last eight weeks. We looked at who the Holy Spirit is. We looked at what is his role. We've looked at how do we know if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We've, we took three weeks just looking at at um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and unpacked all of those. But today, I want to give you the motivation. I want to give you the heart behind why we so desperately need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're going to start today in 1 Samuel chapter 16. So if you have a, a, a real Bible or an electronic Bible, um, or you want to just follow on the screen, either way, it's fine with me. Uh, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 16, and we're going to look at a story of a very, very famous man in the Old Testament, a guy by the name of David, and we're going to look at him and a guy named Samuel. And it says this, and so we're going to catch up in the middle of it, and then I'm going to come back and I'll explain a little bit of the story to you. So it says, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel, who was a prophet, just so y'all know, took the flask of olive oil and he brought and he anointed David with, everybody say this word, with the with the oil. He, he brought the flask and he anointed David with the oil. The next verse says this, <clears throat> And the Spirit of the Lord came, everybody say this word, came. Okay, you, you can't say that word not powerfully. Okay, so say that word. Power. There we go. Okay, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're ready for whatever you have to say to us today. God, I pray that you would speak to us. And uh, God, as we look into the reason of why we need the Holy Spirit. God, I know my words don't do anything, but I know your spirit does, and so we invite your spirit to speak today to our hearts. Help us in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. All right, how many of you, show of hands, if you're online, you can give a hand here. How many of you remember your first car? First car, right here. Right, show, show of hands, first car. Okay, I, how many of you, your parents bought you a car? Raise your hand, raise your hand, we hate you. Okay, uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> okay. How many of you had to pay for your own car or you had to put into your own car? Okay, all right, that's how, that's how I was as well. My, my, my parents did the same thing. They said, you're going to, we're gonna help you get a car, but you are going to have to pay part of the payments and you're gonna have to pay for the insurance and you're gonna have to pay for the gas and all those stuff. So they pretty much said, and you have to get a job, okay? So I had to get a job and so my very first car, I remember it like it was yesterday. It, this was a 1995 Geo Metro. Let, let me show you, let me, look at this right here. It's beautiful, isn't it? Don't, listen, don't be jealous, okay? Don't be jealous. This thing right here was my first beauty. Hey, listen. Four door, come on somebody, four door right here, okay? Not the two door hatchback, four door. I could take four friends, okay? And so, uh, you had to cram in the middle, but that's just how it worked. Listen, I babied this thing. How many of y'all remember your first car? Like, man, I washed it all the time. I waxed it all the time. And, and, and back in the day, I, you, you, how many of you remember Black Magic? Black Magic on the tires. Come on, listen, those 12 inch tires were popping, okay? Popping. And then you armor all, everything on the inside. Y'all remember, come on, how many remember armor all? Armor, is armor all still around? I don't even know. Armor all, all the inside, still a business. Okay, so I mean, this was 26 years ago. So 
this was it. Now listen, this thing was, was my pride and joy, okay? And, and so you would drive around, back in the day, you just drive around. How many know you drive around with your windows down? You know, those little 10 inch subwoofers in there <laughs> made, the, made the car rattle a little, little bit. And you just cruising around. That's what you do. You cruising around, you know, popping a lean. Come on, it's all nice and clean, popping a lean. Okay, that's what, that's what it all was. Okay, now the car could only get up to 45 because that gerbils on the inside. But uh, it, was, it, was, it was definitely not fast by any regards. But it was mine. It was mine. It was mine, and I loved every moment of it. And uh, I had this thing detailed on the inside. And how I remember when you first get it? When you first everybody gets in, nobody can eat in it. You know, don't eat in my car. Okay, that eventually goes after about a week. But it's just how it is. And there was one day I was I was driving around, nice, clean, waxed car, and it, it started it started kind of shaking a little bit. Like, what in the world is going on? What in the, what's happening? And then it started smoking a little bit. I mean, no, smoke's usually not good. Okay, now I'm not a mechanic, okay? Just, I'm just letting everybody know here, I am not the car guy by any regards. But I know enough, if you see smoke coming from a hood, that's not, it's not like, man, that's a hot car. Yeah, it is. There's something that's going on. And sure enough, I pull over and, and uh, I, you know, I, I pop the hood and, Listen, for a non-mechanic, popping the hood is like looking at something. It's like looking at a surgeon that opened up someone's brain. You're like, what is this? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't know where things are. So I'm on the phone trying to figure out uh, what's going on, where it's happening. So I'm calling, uh, calling my dad. What's, what's, what's up? What are you seeing? It's kind of shaking a little bit. It's kind of, it's kind of smoking. And so he's, you know, I'm checking like radiator and, and like hoses and engine stuff and <laughs> I'm looking at all these different things and he's like hey there should be this little thing it's kind of like a hook it's like a hook and you can pull it out and that's your oil stick so you know pull it out and I, you know I'm looking at it he's like tell me tell me how's it look I'm like oh there's nothing wrong with it it's perfectly fine why because there's nothing on it I mean it's it's good well come and find out nothing on it is not good come on you know nothing on it means you got no oil you got no oil he said When's the last time you changed the oil? I said, nobody told me I had to change the oil. What are you talking about? Yes, you have to put oil in it. So that was lesson 101 of you have to change your oil every 25,000 miles. No, I'm joking. And so <laughs> I, I, I had to get some oil. I had no oil at all. And however much this thing looked clean on the outside, it was empty on the inside. And the same is true just as much as our car needs oil to run at maximum efficiency, we as Christians and followers of Christ need oil to flow at maximum efficiency. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is given a metaphor with the word oil. If you look at oil all throughout the Old Testament, uh, prophets would anoint kings and anoint people with oil, symbolizing the Holy Spirit coming on them in their life. And so this is what oil does. And so I'm dedicating this message today for those who feel like you're in a season where you're stuck, I'm talking to you. For those who feel like you're in a season where you just can't go on anymore, I'm talking to you. For those who feel like I've been trying and I'm taking two steps forward and I feel like I'm taking four steps back, I'm talking to you. You and I desperately need 
oil. And in the Bible, it describes oil as the Holy Spirit. But another word that we could use is the word anointing. He anointed him with oil. So today I wanna give you a working definition of the anointing. The anointing is this, if you wanna write this down, the anointing is the appointing, authorizing, and empowerment of the Holy Spirit on us and in us for the purpose of his kingdom. That is a mouthful, by the way, but I will begin to unpack this in a little bit. It is the uh, appointing, God appoints you. It is the authorizing that God authorizes you to do what he calls you to do, and then he empowers you to do it. This is what it means, ready? When you are anointed by God, ready? When you act, God acts. When you speak, God speaks. When you go to work, God starts going to work. Watch, there is a difference between somebody who sings and an anointed singer. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's a difference between someone who preaches and anointed preaching. There's a difference between someone who prays and anointed prayers. And it is, ready? It is possible to be a Christian that proclaims God-reliance but lives with self-reliance. It is possible to be a Christian who comes to church, who reads their Bible, that proclaims God-reliance, but lives with self-reliance. And it is impossible to use the gifts of God. We spent three weeks talking about the gifts of God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it, it is possible to try to use those gifts, but to neglect the God of those gifts. And there's nothing harder than trying to do God's work without God's anointing. There's nothing harder to try to do what God's called you to do, but without him. I love what Andrew Murray said. We shared this actually in week three, but I wanted to bring it back um, for this final message. And this is what he said. He said, men ought to seek with their whole hearts to be filled with the spirit of God because without being filled with the spirit, it is utterly impossible that an individual Christian or church can ever live or work as God desires. It is nearly impossible for us to do this. How many know you need the anointing on Monday more than you need it on Sunday? How many know you need the anointing at home to parent your kids? Yeah, some of y'all are getting really excited about school starting, okay? I mean, you need the anointing when you step into a boardroom to lead meetings. You need the anointing if you're a teacher and you step into a classroom to teach students. You need the anointing if you are a first responder and you show up on a scene of a crime or you show up on the scene of an accident. Come on, I mean, you need the anointing to step into that, to, to do all that God has called you to do in that moment. You and I need the anointing. We need oil. Everybody say that. Say, I need some oil. I need some oil. You and I need oil. And so I want to share two big thoughts with you, and I'm going to unpack both of these. First one is that God anoints you with the Holy Spirit. God anoints you with the Holy Spirit. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, uh, excuse me, chapter 1 says this. Now it is, everybody help me with this. Now it is God himself who has who has anointed us. Now watch what happens when he has anointed us. And he is constantly strengthening both you and us in union with Christ. This is such a good verse. Notice who does the anointing. It is God himself. It's not man. 
it's God. Well, you say, well, Pastor Josh, that seems absolutely contrary and contradiction to what we just read when we read the story of David because Samuel was the one who anointed David. Yes, physically he did, but I wanna show you, I want us to rewind back and look at the setup of this. So Samuel is a prophet. There is currently a king over Israel by the name of Saul. He's the very first king of Israel. And God has removed himself from King Saul and he's trying to anoint the next king. And so he tells Samuel, you're going to help me go find the next king. So he sends Samuel to a house by the guy, uh, a guy by the name of Jesse. And so I wanna, I wanna show you what happens. It says, when they arrive, Samuel took one look at Eliab. So Jesse brings all of his sons, well, we think all of his sons at the time, brings his sons in front of Samuel, starting with the oldest, working all the way down to the youngest, and the very first one that he brings up to Samuel is Eliab. Now watch what happens. So Samuel takes one good look at Eliab and thought, what does he think? Surely this is the Lord's anointed. This has gotta be him. He looks good, he looks the part. Now watch this, verse seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or, or his height, for I have rejected him. This is huge. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. How many of you glad the Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them? We're glad at that at times, but how many know we're not glad at that at other times? Because I wish God would see things the way I see them. Can we be honest here for a moment? How many would wish sometimes God would see things the way you see them? Take them out, God. Give them hemorrhoids, God. Deal with it. God's like, forgive. You're like, God, can you just see things the way I see them? Okay. All right. So people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. Okay. So that son's out. You're gone. Brings the next son. But Samuel says, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah, uh, but Samuel said, neither is this the one, the Lord. So it's just like, no, no, no. It's like Simon on American Idol. Nope, go home, nope, go home, nope, go home. <laughs> Who is getting the golden ticket? In the same way, watch this, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Ready? Who, go back. Who did he say? Go back. Go back. Okay, there we go. The Lord has not chosen any of these. It's so huge for us to understand this. When we said God anoints people, Samuel was just the vessel in which he was using, but it was God who was making the decision. So every time someone come up, Samuel's like, yeah, and God's like, no. The next one, yeah, and God's like, no. And he does this seven times, and he says he's not chosen any of these. Okay, now you can go to the next one. Verse 11 says this, then Samuel asked are all these all your sons? They're still the youngest. And Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats. And so the, watch what he says. Send for him at once. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sends for him. Now this is huge here. Samuel the prophet is coming to anoint the next king. You know he's coming for that purpose. And Jesse intentionally leaves one of the sons out. Leaves one of the sons out. Here, here's why this is good news for you and I. Because when other people overlook you, God still sees you. Yes, that's good. 
How many know when the boss overlooks you for that promotion? How many know God still sees you? When people overlook you for whatever you think you should, you deserve, God still sees you. So all these guys who think, I'm going to get it, God says, no, 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 no. And Samuel says, there's gotta be somebody else. He says, yeah, we do, little D, we gotta get little D. Go get little D, let's bring him out here. And so they go and get him and he says, hey, we're not sitting down until he shows up. And so how, you know how awkward that was. Think about American Idol. Simon says, you're not it, you're not it. Yeah, and y'all stay right there and I'm gonna show you who's gonna be it. And here we are in this moment. He sends for him at once. So Jesse sends for him. Look at the next verse. And, and watch how it describes him. He's dark and handsome. Come on, every, and with beautiful eyes. He's on every woman's wish list right here. Okay, so. And the Lord said to him, this is the one. Anoint him. Anoint him. How many of you remember back in the day, I don't know if y'all had this where, um, it was like playground time. It was maybe during recess and everybody, you know, all the friends would kind of gather together and you'd play basketball together, football together, you know, play some kind of activity together and, and you would pick captains. Y'all remember this? You pick captains and you just prayed that you were not the last one picked. Come on, you know, they get down like to the last ones. You're like, come on, come on. You're like showing your muscles. I'm like, come on, I can really help you. You know, you just did not want to be the one where they chose this guy and they're like, okay, we'll take you. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like that, that guy that's like, you know, they don't want you on the team, but you got to go over there anyways. Like that's what's happening in this moment. Like the family doesn't even want him. The dad doesn't even notice his giftings. Nobody notices anything. And yet here we go. God picks him in this moment and he anoints him for this moment. And this is so huge for all of us because I don't know if you've been overlooked in life. I don't know if there's been people that haven't seen what God has on you. Think about this, watch this. There was a king in his house and his daddy didn't even know it. There was a king in his house and his daddy didn't know it. It, it, took, it took another man from somewhere else that was full of the spirit to come and identify. You have a king in your house and you got him doing sheep work. But it's good to know that if there are people that don't see your potential and don't see your calling and don't see your gifting, that even if they don't see it, God still sees it. And at, at any point he wants to raise it up, he can raise it up at any point he wants to. And I'm gonna tell you, this, this needs to be an encouragement for some of you that are in a season right now where you feel like you're overlooked or you feel like nobody's seeing your potential or you feel like, man, God, why am I in this? Why am I, why am I with sheep? Why am I in sheep? Why am I in doing this? And we saw this last week with the story of Stephen. Stephen was just serving widows and how many know signs and wonders followed him? He was just doing the mundane tasks. So I'm just here yet again to encourage all of you. The reason why you desperately need the Holy Spirit is to know that God wants to anoint you. God has anointed you. He's put you. Watch what Acts chapter two, verse 17 says this. Talking about God wanting to anoint his people. This is, this is what it says about the last days, which I believe we're living. I've had people ask, are we living in the last days? Here, I, I want to tell you what I believe. I believe we're living in the last seconds. I think we're coming down to it. It says, this is what I'm gonna do in the last days. I'm going to pour out my, what? On, say it again, on everybody and cause your sons and your daughters to prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. This is what it's telling us, that the anointing is not for preachers and the anointing is not just for prophets. Come on, how many know the anointing is for everyone? The anointing is for every believer, black, white, young, rich. I mean, doesn't matter who you are. God is no respecter of persons. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be gifted. You don't have to have all the things that you think. How many know, you, 
if you get the anointing, all that stuff is good, but it doesn't really matter. And I'll show you why in just a minute when we look at the rest of the story of David. He's going to pour out his spirit on everybody. Number two, God anoints for a purpose. God anoints for a purpose. So God himself is the one who anoints us, but he also anoints us for a purpose. And this is so huge for you and I because you need to understand that God not only anoints you, but he anoints you for a purpose. And we know this because we read this in the story of Jesus. Watch what Jesus says in Luke chapter four, verse 18. Jesus says this about himself. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Ready, watch this. For he has, come on, everybody help me. He has anointed me. Now watch. Now here's why it's so huge. Ready? This is so huge that Jesus was self-aware. He was so self-aware. The spirit of the Lord's on me. He has anointed me. And it doesn't end with a period. It, it, it continues with two Bring the good news to the poor. Look at the next verse. He has sent me to proclaim captives that will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Come on, he's, he's sent me, he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He's anointed me to proclaim freedom. He's anointed me to help see, uh, blind see. He's anointed me for the oppressed to be set free. He has anointed me for such a time as this. And this is why this is so huge because I want you and I to walk around with the same Godfidence. Not confidence, come on, how I many know Godfidence? That you walk around with this Godfidence that says, He's anointed me and I know it. He's anointed me and I know it. Here's the question Do you know it? Do you know that he has anointed you for such a time as this? So here's what I wrote down. When you know what you're anointed for, you know what problems you've been empowered to solve. And instead of running from problems, you run to them. How many know Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me, what? To proclaim uh, the gospel, the good news to the poor. Hey, by the way, poor is not just like poor financially. How many know there are a lot of people who are rich in money, but poor, poor emotionally, poor relationally. I met with someone this week that's going through that. Got all the money, but, but they're poor relationally. I mean, no, the good news is not just for those who are poor financially. How I many know the good news is, is for those who are poor spiritually, poor emotionally, poor relationally, that God's come. And how I many know that's what he did? He came to proclaim the good news. How I many know when people were running from lepers, he was running to them. When people were running from the sick, he was running to them. When people were running from prostitutes, he was running to them. Why? Because he's anointed for that. And when you know what you're anointed for, you know what God has called you to solve. And what normal people would run away from, you run to. Because God has called you to, uh, some of you have an anointing to, to pray. And so when people tell you they're going through something, you go, can we pray? Can we pray for this? And you have an anointing for that. Some of you have an anointing to sing. Some of you do not, but that's okay. <laughs> that's why you're not on the stage, all right? Some of you have an anointing to, 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 to lead. And so when you step into your business, like you can orchestrate things. Some of you have an anointing to administrate. Like you can administrate things and figure things out and get things organized. Some of you have an anointing to cook. Okay, thank you for using your gift, all right? 
Some of you have an anointing, and, and here's the deal, the anointing, yet again, remember, is the appointing, and it's the affirming, it's, it's the authorizing, and it's the empowering that God gives you for his purposes. And so you're not anointed to do those things for yourself. How many know you're anointed to do those things to extend his purposes? Some of you are anointed to teach. And so you step into a classroom, and some people will be like, I could never hang out with students, kids all day, but you, you get excited about it because you're anointed for it. Some of you are anointed as doctors or as lawyers to litigate things. You've been called and created to solve a problem. And we see this all throughout scripture. What was Noah anointed to do? To build an ark, right? If you, if you look at Joseph, Joseph was anointed to be wise with resources and led an entire nation through a famine. Nehemiah was anointed to rebuild walls and to rally people around him to help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And we see this all in walks of life, that God anoints teachers not only to teach character, but to teach, to, uh, to teach content, but character and values. God anoints artists to produce breathtaking art that makes people go, that's beautiful, but also can glorify God at the same time. How many know God can anoint scientists to help find a cure for a disease that we need? God can anoint people at any moment. And here's the huge part of this all. There is a difference between being gifted and being anointed. Now watch this, because there are some preachers who are extremely gifted, but they don't have the anointing anymore. And God has removed his anointing because we've got to operate it in the way that God's called us to do. Now think about this, ready? Now let me show you through the story of David how this has worked. Now, when David was out there with sheep, he, had, he was gifted in a slingshot. I can imagine that's all he's doing out there, just, just practicing his slingshot skills, you know, just, just going. He's gifted, if you know, to play the harp. His brother's musical too. Not only is he dark and handsome, he's also musical. He'll sing to you, all right? Come on, ladies, man, this is the man, all right? He's gifted to lead sheep. He's a shepherd. His dad has him out there doing sheep. Those are all the things he's gifted to do. Sling a, shot, a slingshot, play a harp, and take care of sheep. He's extremely gifted in all those. Ready? Now watch this though. We don't realize not only is his, he's gifted, but he's anointed, not in chapter 16, which we had just read, but in chapter 17. Y'all know what happens in chapter 17? 1 Samuel chapter 17 he, he, he goes to his brothers to go bring them some cheese. And there's a guy by the name of Goliath that's out there taunting the Israelites. And so we see David in that moment that says, who's this guy? So watch this, ready? David was gifted with a slingshot, but he was anointed to slay a giant. Ready, watch this. You fast forward, he goes into the king's chamber and King Saul says, you're always gonna be with me. And we know that he's gifted to play a harp but you find out that he's anointed, he's anointed to calm disturbed spirits. Because Saul would get this disturbed spirit, he'd start playing the harp, and the Bible says that that spirit would leave him. How many know that's anointed harp playing? By the way, if you're doing that with a harp, you are anointed. Okay, I wanna think like a Kenny G sax or something, but no, a harp, okay? And then we know that he was gifted to lead sheep, but how many know he was anointed to lead armies. Ready, watch this. When he steps up against Goliath, Goliath has the sword, David has the rocks. Here's the difference. Goliath has a sword with warrior training, David has rocks with shepherd training, but the only difference is David had the anointing, Goliath didn't. Yep. 
How many know when you got the anointing, you don't need a sword? You can do things that you couldn't do before. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit is what makes the difference in our life. Think about this. King Saul wore the crown, but he had no anointing. David didn't have the crown, but he had the anointing. And how many know, if you're gonna choose one of those two, you'd rather the anointing than the crown. And eventually the crown caught up to him. And so this is, I I wrote this down. Arrogance isn't knowing what you have. Arrogance is when you forget who gave it to you. So I know guys who are extremely arrogant in how much money they make, but may you never forget that your ability to make money, your ability to lead, your ability to make decisions is because of God. I mean, whatever gifting we have, whether it's teaching, preaching, singing, helping, serving, cooking, administering medicine, whatever the gift may be that God has given us, maybe it's counseling. Arrogance is not when you don't know what you have, it's when you forget who gave it to you. And then your gifting becomes about you and not about God. It points to you and not about God. And some of you right now, God has given you gifts, but it is undeveloped because it's only been about you. And until we come to the place to go, God, I want your anointing on this gift, not only so it's self-beneficial, but so that it benefits your kingdom and other people then I believe God puts his anointing. He puts his approval. He puts his empowerment. He puts his authorizing gift on it. Some people are anointed to play sports. They are phenomenal at playing sports. They're just gifted in that. But if it's all about you, I'm telling you, that only goes so far. God has called us. The anointing is what changes everything. So Acts chapter one, verse eight, and I'm done. I'm gonna read two more scriptures. It says, but you will, I haven't even shared this scripture almost all eight weeks. And this is like the scripture people go to for the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, the promise that Jesus said that you will receive, what's that word? Power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my, what? My witnesses. You're gonna tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You and I are ambassadors of the kingdom. God empowers us. Notice it says, I'm gonna give you power to be a witness, to go talk to people and tell people. We, like the US ambassador, goes to other nations to represent the US. We are ambassadors of God's kingdom, telling everybody about the kingdom. But how many know, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit and you don't have the Spirit, how many know you're not attached to the kingdom, and if you're not attached to the kingdom, you're not representing God's kingdom. How many know you're representing your thoughts and your opinions? And so today we want to have the power of the Holy Spirit that will empower us to tell people about who he is and what he's done in our lives. And I'm, I'm gonna end with this last verse. Psalms 92, verse 10. And I love how the Passion Translation says this, and we're done. You're anointing. Some of you need to write this on a card or put it on your phone and just see this as often as you can. Your anointing has made me what? Strong and, and mighty. And you've empowered my life for triumph by pouring fresh oil over me. You're not fighting your battle under your own strength and going to win. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. 
David was anointed in chapter 16. And little did he know that when chapter 17 came, his gifting to sling rocks would get empowered to slay a giant. He threw the rock, but how many know God guided the rock to exactly where it needed to go? And there are many of you right now where you feel stale. I've talked to so many people in the last couple of weeks that have just been discouraged and just feel like, man, I'm just disconnected. I feel more, I feel, I feel emotionally exhausted. Can I, can I just tell you something? You need some fresh oil. You need some fresh oil. Because here's what I know. I learned it in my Geo Metro. You run on that same oil for a long time, eventually it goes. And you don't have any more. And so here's what happens. When you don't have any more fresh oil and you're using stale old oil, eventually over time, that will destroy your vehicle. And the same is true in life. It is not by might nor by power, but it is by his spirit that he's empowered us to live this life that he's called us to do. And if you don't change the oil in your car, it's going to ruin it. And if you don't change the oil in your life, how many know we all need an oil change? How many know in marriage there's friction? Uh, don't act holy in this place. Y'all acting like, no, we never fight. Uh-huh, you are a liar, okay? There's friction. How many know there's friction in relationships? How many know there's friction in relationships? Okay, all right. Maybe some of y'all are in friction right now. Maybe it's like, you're not even looking at each other. Don't even say a word, okay? Don't say a word. Hey, guess what? You need some oil. Because as long as there's friction, that, man, that's, it's just sparks flying constantly. We need some oil. Come lubricate some of that. We, we need oil. We need it. We need we need fresh oil. And so today, listen, I, I, I don't want us just to come to church or watch it online and just hear another message and then just go right back to Monday, me doing it all over again and trying my hardest and yeah, I'm gonna do this. And then you just, you just get to a point, you just get exhausted, you get tired. You need some fresh oil. You need some strength. You need his might. You need his empowerment. If you're, if you're here in this room right now and you say, that's, that's me, I, I'm, I'm in that place right now. I want you to stand all across this room and I wanna pray over you. I wanna pray with you. If that's you online, you can just raise your hand right there in the comment section and we're gonna pray with you. We're gonna believe. You just say, hey, that's, I mean, I just need some oil. I just need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. I need a fresh downpouring. He would pour, I love that. He's gonna pour his spirit out on his people, on everyone. Would you just lift your hands right there where you are? I, I, I just, I just want to signify heaven pouring out fresh oil on you today. Holy Spirit, in this moment, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you come, that you desire to anoint us, to empower us, to authorize us. You approve today, no matter what every person in here is walking through, maybe they feel stale, maybe they feel defeated, maybe they feel 
distant. Maybe they feel like, I just, I can't go on anymore. I, I, maybe they're at a loss with, I don't know what to do. I don't know what decision to make. Fresh oil right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you just pour your fresh oil in them? Help them. God, those right now that are watching online, wherever they are in their home or work or in their car, just, God, I just pray a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would baptize them, that it it wouldn't just be a a, a little bit. I pray that you would pour it all over them. They'd fill it from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, and it wouldn't just be an emotional sensation, but God, I pray that it would be a change of heart from the inside out. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. God, we love you today. Breathe on your people. Breathe on them, fresh and new. We need it not just for Sunday. We need it for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We need it for our marriages. We need it for our parenting. We need it for our jobs. We need it for our family. God, we don't want to walk in our own strength and our own power. We need power from on high today. Thank you, Lord, for the promise of your Holy Spirit today that is being poured out on your people. We receive all that you have. Would you say that with me? Say, today, I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fill me today, overflowing in my heart, in my mind, in my body, in Jesus' name, amen.